He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 142 of a Good Talks Boil Golf Podcast. As I'm always, James Richardson, and I'm joined this week again by Barry. Hey, Barry. Hey, James. Uh, good weekends, golf? No. Very good. Anybody who wants to get in contact with us, our Twitter handle is at a good talk golf, and the email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. Um, by the sounds of the little preview there, uh, not a good day's uh, golfing at the office on Sunday, Barry. It was not, no. Um, yeah, poor start to the round, and yeah, I ended up with a score that you'd be happy, you'd be very happy with for nine holes, but it was for eighteen holes. So the long game's in pieces at the moment, and the only the only redeeming feature was. I had a few nice chips, and the putter felt pretty well. The ball was rolling nicely with the putter, so um, I guess that's a positive to take out of it. Um, what they, did you have in the end? <coughs> Twenty-one points. Hmm. It was, was it was it a tough day? It didn't I don't remember. Yeah, it was well, off, like I was down west, so it was hard it was, to know what it was, off, was like up here. Off the whites, but the course isn't playing very long. There was I don't know two club wind, I guess. So nothing, nothing extraordinary, but enough to deal with. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not swinging the club very well at the moment. Um, not getting into good positions, not swinging it effectively, not hitting the ball well. And uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, devastating. It's not, it's not good. It's not good for my confidence. And you've so moved out. I've, I've slipped back. My last point one of the year that I can get. So um, on the well, the handicap uh, guys can. The handicap secretary can add a few more if you need. Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't want that. So Have you in, had seven in a row yet? In the, I don't know, because our club doesn't seem to post all the results individually. They seem to just throw them in lumps at the GUI. So in the handicapping system here in Ireland, um, the new system, it's also in the UK, uh, you cannot finish your year more than one full shot worse or higher than you started your year. I started at 9.5, so I'm now at 10.5. Um and because our club is putting in results in 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 bulk, we we can't seem to see the individual uh, results in our handicap certificate. So I don't know if I've had seven point ones in a row or not. Um, it's quite possible. So the interest, well, you, because the reason I ask that is that seven point ones in a row can elicit uh, an additional increase if the handicap secretary yeah. deems it necessary. The other reason. Um, do you stop now at 10.5 or can you go to 10.6, 10.7, 10.8? You just can't go to a no, 10 po- to 11.5. I'm I haven't looked into it because I don't want to think about going any higher, but I seem to remember it saying 1.0 more than your starting um handicap for the year. So I'm going to go with well, that. The pressure's off, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I guess that's one way to look at it. <laughs> uh, uh, I was down at the range last night just trying to uh, just trying to find a good feeling and get some get some better hits. There's find it? No. <laughs> I found it. I lost it. I found it. I lost it. Uh, there was a couple of good couple of good things in there. Um, I think I have an idea about what I was doing wrong, but I'm meeting up with the uh, pro down there, Pat Carity, tomorrow night to 
to have a a look and hopefully don't blind him with my bad swings at the moment. It's uh, it's not a good place. But let's not talk about my golf anymore. Um, we should talk about the proper golfers of the world. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about any news. I suppose the big news coming out of the world of golf today was the rescheduling of all of the majors. Um, and I say all the majors, but really it's only one change. This week's PGA Championship is going to move from August and it's going to move into... Uh, Mar- no, May. May, and they're going to move the players from May to March, mm-hmm. so there's going to be the players in March, Augusta National in April, Play uh, the PGA in May. May. <laughs> Do you want to handle this? Yeah, well the US Open then in June, and then so the, the Open Championship is now going to end the major run, Yeah, and I suppose the big reasoning behind all of this is that the USPGA want to be able to use August for the FedEx Cup, the Um, Olympics every four years, assuming it keeps on beyond uh, Japan, and really just for American audiences and guys who are in America listening to this, they know that their attention turns fairly rapidly come the last weekend in August to American football and to other sports, and I think there's been a big drop-off of viewership because of it. So the FedEx Cup is slightly lost in, into into kind of September yeah. time. And ratings is everything. And it's 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 a large reason why they're moving it. it. It also means that the season, the US Open, the Open Championship and the PGA Championship don't get absolutely just barreled in on top of each other, which is what it feels like. So, and it, it I, I like it. It spreads it nicely throughout the season. Um, it'll bring different golf courses into the PGA Championship rotation that you wouldn't ordinarily have been able to play in August. Um, due to weather conditions and course conditions in the US. It also moves the players to March, which, from what we're hearing, sounds very positive because they're saying that the sawgrass will play an awful lot better in March than it does in May, where it currently sits. Um, so, so it'll be interesting to see that happen. And uh, yeah, I like it. I like the spread. I think overall the feeling is quite positive amongst the players that they it spreads out the schedule a bit more and give. Like, it also means that the Ryder Cup can potentially move a couple of weeks earlier, um, which might give them slightly better weather conditions or longer day, you know, slightly longer days by a couple of weeks. Which, you know, it could it, these little things can make small differences. But I think I think the structure is quite good. I'm, ha- I'm happy as a, as a fan. I'm happy. I, I think it's a great idea. I think we've talked about this previously on this podcast that it makes more sense. I also think it probably brings a lot of golfers back to the course the pros kind of in March for the players mm. now, which kind of means that they'll really the season needs to end kind of end of April, let the players go off for November, December, January and start coming back to events come February onwards. Mm. I've always felt that when Augusta being the first kind of big event, you kind of have a bit of a poor lead up. There's kind of events that you have a splattering of world players and kind of then a week later there's not those players, some other players. You don't quite get everybody together in one go where the mm. player with the players moving to March will hopefully do that. No, I agree. And I think it's nice to have a... I'm not going to call the players a preamble to the Masters, but it's a little a, a big warm-up before the Masters. It whets everybody's appetite. Like you said, it gets all the big boys together. And it... It stops, or it doesn't stop, but it shortens the stretch that we have, the wait from the end of the season to the start of the next season, which everybody 
feels it's the Masters as a start of the season. It's the start of the big events, and it feels like the season kicks off then. It's nice to have this a few weeks earlier. You feel like your feel like your own golfing season might start a little bit earlier then because of this. Let, let's not kid ourselves. This is a lot to do with the FedEx Cup. Ten million dollars mm-hmm. to the winner. It's played over the kind of the four weeks. It it is lost something going into the first week of September. It just doesn't feel like you know it keeps the momentum going. I think this move should allow that momentum to kind of keep going to the end because everyone's still in golf season come the end of August. So it should reach a climax and then from September on. I, I'm not sure they'll move the, the Ryder Cup. I haven't heard anything of the move of the Ryder Cup. I, I, it gives them the I'm not sure whether they will, but... It, it gives them the opportunity. Um, um, and in, in tandem with this, we got the announcement today that the... The European Tours flagship event, their PGA, uh, which is held in Wentworth, is going to move to September now. So it's, I mean, if you looked at it this year, the field for that seemed weaker than it was for like the Irish Open, for example, like another Rolex series event. So the European Tours flagship event is kind of getting, they say it's a good thing because the course can be in better prep or in better condition in September. But you wonder whether they just needed to move it because they just couldn't get the strength of field they wanted for their, it to be their version of the Players' Championship. Um, I mean, it's funny, Wentworth's gone through a little bit of trouble. Like this week, I read that 30 to 40% of their members are leaving um, on account of things the new owners have done. Um, I won't go into it too much, but it's, uh, it's a little bit of strife and chopping and changing for Wentworth. And I, I guess on, from a greenkeeper side of things, they're saying that it's better. Uh, it's very difficult to get a course into championship condition in May in that in this part of the world, and it'll be a lot easier to have it uh, prim- uh, primed and ready in September. Plus, at that stage, if you know the the FedEx Cup will be over, so you might be able to get a few of the American boys coming over to play in a big money event. It will be one. Of the, it is one of the Rolex Series events. There is big money there, and you know money talks. And some some of the guys didn't go well in the FedEx Cup, and they didn't get a big wheelbarrow full of money. They might be tempted over for a little trip to. I think it's more likely that you'll get. What they want is the big European players back. Mm. They want Rory. They want, you know, uh, Sergio. They want the big European names who they know are going to be over at the yeah, FedEx yeah. Cup. And, and and they lose that at other times of the year. The schedule doesn't allow for Wentworth yeah. in some guys who are looking at different tournaments. Uh, we'll see how it pans out. It, it's, a, it's a good shake-up and is, I think, ultimately, for everybody who come kind of February time and they're looking at their own game, want to see the season kick off again properly and I think that's the great thing about moving the players and it is always the kind of the the, the slightly less of a major than anything else so it is good idea to stick it at the front and then you have four majors bang 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 and I think it's going to be great and it, it's nicely spaced out as a fan you don't feel they're all cramped together and you feel like they're all gone in, in the blink of an eye and it kind of shortens our do you know winter what it kind of makes it feel it kind of nearly makes it feel like it's the player it's like the pros version of your club medal like every month you yeah, have a club yeah. medal so like yeah. you, you know you have one for March, April, May, June July um, it would be interesting to see now the, the British Open we talked last week about the idea of you know, Jordan Spieth being able to get the slam before Rory. Now, for a few of them, for him, it's going to be the second major, not the last major. Um, so it will be interesting to see how some players who perform better towards the end of the season go into the British Open, which is 
kind of horses for courses at times. Yeah. Whether or not um, some of the late bolters in golf are going to struggle a little bit towards the front end of the season. You know when some guys who hit their straps earlier on in the season might have a better chance of winning the PGA Championship in May than they do right now in August. Um, so, yeah, look, 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 that'll be all in 2019, all ahead of us. So. That's it. All right, well, look, uh, last week we had the LPGA I were playing the British Open, the Rico British Open, um, and uh, Miss Kim, Ing Kong Kim, won. Um, pretty in the end, it was a bit of a stroll. Um, though I have to say, the bits that I did get to see, it takes, uh, pardon the pun, some balls to hit a three wood, two hundred and thirty yards over a ravine on the seventeenth, sixteenth, seventeenth hole. You got the embellished version of that story I think I think it was closer to about you know it was probably an effect of 220, 230 well it was into the wind, the wind and, and I had to carry all of it and it was a 5 wood so she said or unless the report, unless I heard wrong and you heard correctly well, there we go Golf Media at its best we can get different reports it was a phenomenal shot and she didn't have to take it on it, would, it should have been wedge wedge in theory and uh, she absolutely flushed it so um, for if uh, people don't remember she missed a a one foot putt, maybe 14, 16, 18 inch putt. Yeah, for, five uh, years ago. Yeah, for uh, to win a major. So uh, kind of a late delayed redemption, but she played superb and putted, um, putted phenomenally well across the, the four days. She was holding bombs on Saturday and Sunday. And um, particularly you could see her when she was up against Georgia Hall. I watched a good bit on Saturday. Uh, Georgia Hall might have hit it inside her, but uh, I think Kim just like rolled in a big putt in front of Georgia Hall and, um, it's got to be. It's very. It's kind of like in a match play thing. It's very demor- demoralizing when you're inside your opponent on the green, but they roll in a big putt and then you miss yours. Uh, it's so well, I well, suppose, well, a well earned win. And I suppose the the thing is that uh, it's interesting to look back for Kim. You know, six years ago, she uh, it took six years for her to to get a win on the tour, and uh, since that putt, she really struggled mentally with it, which uh, was interesting to read over the last couple of days. Just quite how much it uh, it kind of got to her, and um, she basically turned to meet uh, you know meditation. She turned to the likes of you know the Bob Rotellas of the world to really work on how she had to accept that misput. Mm. Um, so like to be, I suppose maybe that uh, three wood, five wood, whatever it was, um, was a case of. I'm not leaving it behind here. You know, I'm going to make this happen. I'm not going to have a situation where I go iron wedge, miss the putt, and have to go down eighteen with only a one shot, with a one shot lead. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. It was good. Uh, good crowds as well, and uh, um, it really sets it up. There was quite a lot of the guys like Mel Reed played pretty well this week as well. So setting it up for the Solheim. Which is the week after this weekend, isn't it? Yeah. The 18th to the 20th over in the States. Um, do you know what was actually, it did look like an awful lot of fun, Kingsbards. Yeah, it looked a nice course. It really did. It looked like a, a, a lot of fun to play. Like the huge greens, but lots going on in them. You know, almost a little bit crazy, but definitely, definitely one that you can see yourself enjoying a game of golf on like big wide open hitting areas off the tee and uh, a lot of fun around the green complexes. So yeah, I suppose that's why they, uh, they have the tee sheet full and they don't have any members and they can charge over 200 pounds around. Oh, that's it. Uh, and it's only going to get more busy now. Look, let's look at the WGC Bridgestone Invitational was at Firestone country club in 
Akron, Ohio. And um, I suppose, ultimately, Hideki Matsuyama was the story of the weekend. Um, shooting his lowest round, competitive lowest round, 61 on Sunday for a 9-under and ended up 5 ahead of Zach Johnson at 16-under, Zach at 11-under, Charlie Hoffman 10-under and then Thomas Peters at 8 with Paul Casey at 7 and kind of Rory McIlroy, Russell Knox and Adam Hadwin all, all back on 7. Um, Hideki Matsuyama, every time we get towards a major, we talk about whether or not Hideki Matsuyama is going to go and win a major. It's a good way to start that conversation by him picking up the WGC in what was a field as good as a major on a course that is as tough as a major. And uh, to go out and shoot 61 on the final day, the last competitive round you're going to have before you start the next competitive round of the major is pretty good for Hideki. He's got to be feeling okay with his game right now. Um, look, and we saw we saw la- at the end of last year when he went on that run of win, second, win, second. He, he can hold his form over an extended period of time. Um, he will feel really good going into this. You could see him over the last couple of weeks building up the game, was getting a little bit tighter, a little bit better for his, you know, stats were better, he's poking his head on the leaderboard a bit more, and the putting was getting a bit better. You know, so kind of he really, didn't telegraph it, but he certainly, all the flags were there for him to have a really good week there at Firestone. And I just, I thought it was really interesting that for, for him to hit such an amazing round on the Sunday, you know, 16 out of 18 greens, um, you know, putted phenomenally well, drove the ball really long distances, shooting 61 without any bogeys. By all accounts, on the practice range, he was spraying the ball everywhere. Pulled his first tee shot left, and he said that from then on, he just, it, it all went well, he felt okay, you know. He didn't feel comfortable in his swing, but the shots were coming off. And, you know, it just was making me wonder, obviously the pros have a much better mental game than we do, but if we're hitting it poorly on the range, I know I find it difficult to pull out a good game on, on the golf course that day. And, uh, you know, it made me wonder what, what, what he has going on in his head to be to allow himself to shoot a 61. I mean, did he just fall back on trusting in his routine? Did... Did he get to a stage where he's like, well, Jesus, I'm swinging at shit. I may as well just loosen up and just have a go at it and see what happens. And then he just finds himself another shot goes well, another shot goes well. Like, what? Well, you probably, if it doesn't matter how bad you're hitting it on the range, if you step up on the second and eagle it, um, you know, that certainly is like, <laughs> what, a 297 yard drive down the left fairway, 233 yards to left rough, 85 foot to... Uh, uh, to the hole and uh, holds it, so it certainly it certainly makes life easier. You're now stepping up in the third. You're quite happy with yourself, and then you go birdie the third, and it just kept kind of rolling from there. Just kept on, really, just not putting a step wrong. And and it's hard to ever criticize or to look at other players and say, well, what could they have done? Matsuyama went 69, 66, 67, 61. There's nobody in the field that's going to beat that. We you can't know, touch like a 61 gonna, on Sunday. Like it's, it, it, it's a phenomenal score mm. on a day that's meant to be the hardest of all days. You know, it's, it's, it's getting over the line. And ultimately, guys like Thomas Peters, who started well on uh, Thursday with 65s, 
71 on Sunday. 10 shot swing between him and Matsuyama on Sunday and that's why he finished, you know, at minus 8 and minus 16. You know, and that that was the difference ultimately. Good to see some of the usual kind of the names back up there, Zach Johnson, Paul Casey. Um, we're going to talk about Rory in a minute, so let's not bother with him. But, you know, as an event, quite a lot of the big names were there. Ricky Fowler, a lot of guys just trundling along nice and slowly for this week. Just getting their game ready. You know, we need to talk about Charlie Hoffman on the 16th. No? You know no, reaction to that? No, go ahead. I'm sure everybody's everyone's seen the video at this stage, you know, hit the dialogue of the caddy. Um, I mean, how good is that? Like, he, I think he spotted about 290, 280, 290 to get on the green, and um, it's not really a green that you go for. Uh, it's very it's almost impossible to hold the green from that distance. And uh, you know, the caddy's trying to talk him into laying up, and he just said, "Well, like, I'm three, I'm three down with three to play, like." 282 yards to the There hole. we go. Like, oh, you know, three down, three to play. James is in no way reading this off shot tracker at all. Um, you know, he's just on three down, three to play. Oh, I'm sick of finishing second. You just got to love that attitude. Like, he's he's been, he's having, he's having his best season so far. It is, he's brilliant to watch. He's got this kind of really warm, engaging personality. You, you really want to root for him and want him to win. And uh, to see that sort of attitude, like he didn't care about the paycheck, he was just going, I'm just going for the win, I just want the win. And to see that kind of aggression to go for it, that's just brilliant. And if he's, I know that's one of the few times we actually get to hear that or see that so blatantly in front of the camera. You wonder whether that it does exist you know, on the tour to that extent or to a large extent. But it always reminds me of uh, Park Harrington's comment to the Irish media years ago when they said, you know, Pork, you know, will you ever win another event? And he goes, I, I don't care whether I win another event. All I care about is will I win another major? Because nobody says I'm a three-time major winner and a X amount of time. Mm. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's interesting to hear, like Charlie Hoffman wants to win WGCs, wants to win majors, wants to get into that kind of next tier. He wants to win titles. And... Yeah. Ultimately, you know, coming third, yeah, okay, the paycheck's fine, but this these guys, it can't be for money at this level for mm. these guys. Like, they, they make enough in a year from their sponsorship deals. The actual money they make on these events really is, is it's not pocket money, but, like, it's, it's not the be-all and end-all yeah. for them. It's putting their name on trophies and being able to, and how many times have we seen, like, Jordan Speed talked about it a couple of weeks ago, looking at the claret jug and looking at all the famous names that are on that jug that's what they want because they're looking back at guys from 50 years ago from 100 years ago from 20 years ago 10 years ago and now they know that there's going to be the next generation are going to look at their name Mm. on that trophy forever and that i think that's the thing about charlie hoffman i like that you know it's it's not about just bagging a you know a check. It's about bagging a win. And um, I thought it was brilliant. You know, it's 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 great. Uh, it's a great a- attitude. It's unfortunate. I still think that I'd love whatever about the players being mic'd up. I just think that it would just be great to have the caddies mic'd up because that's probably where you really want to hear the conversation. Mm. You know the yardages, the wind direction, what they're talking about, how they're talking about it. Yeah, yeah um, they're really interesting, and I love when the com- the commentators are getting better at. I think we're seeing an awful lot more of the, or hearing an awful lot more of these dialogues in the last year or so. I, I, I don't know whether the cameras have just been able to get a little bit closer, or the mics have got a bit better, or it just seems we're getting to hear a bit more, and the commentators are, 
allowing these conversations to come through on the TV rather than talk, or maybe they're raising the volume. But I, I, I for one, like echo what you're saying. I love hearing this dialogue. And you remember the at the open when Speed was talking to Bones, the commentators just shut up and let all of that come through the TV. Yeah, and I and I think that in American football. They don't have the recordings. They're recording what's being said in the huddle, what is being said on the sidelines between players and coaches. But it's usually at the highlights during the week that you get that. They add it into the highlights package, mm. which I think is class because it's of no benefit to anybody who's either on, you know, in the clubhouse waiting. It's not going to give anybody an advantage because it's two days delayed and you're getting it. And it's a much more interesting way to watch the highlights than the guy sitting going, yes. Charlie Hoffman, 289 to uh, the middle of the green. Oh, good shot. And it's like, it, there's no enthusiasm in the highlights because you probably know this, the result and it's all a bit dead. Having the caddies talk, have that, like, the mic'd up bit to go out in that package would make you actually watch the highlights. Oh, it gives you, like, a delayed, persp- different perspective on the Yeah, just, it, the they, they, the they, they show the same plays, but you're hearing the calls from the sideline in it. It's it's a much better way of putting the packages, the highlight packages together. Anyway, let's move on. Suggestions at PGATour.com. Yeah. Um, So I suppose, as we were talking about earlier, it is the PGA Championship this weekend. It is at Quail Hollow. It is home of uh, Rory McIlroy. He just seems to be, you know, one, he is the favourite going out, I think around 8-1, to one, and you can give us the, the the current markets, but everything is about Rory at the moment this week, um, which is funny when there's a lot of other conversations that could be had. But let's start with the, the, the betting with Paddy Power, and let's go from there. Yeah, so no surprise, good show last week by Rory, and he's back to a course where he's won twice before, has... Probably one of the best averages of all players playing this week at Quail Hollow. He is six to one favorite and uh, quite a strong favorite now. Um, partic- even more so with the rain coming down. We'll talk about the conditions in a few minutes. Um, Jordan Speed and Deki Matsuyama are eleven to one. Dustin Johnson is fourteen to one. Ricky Fowler sixteen to one. Brooks Kepka is twenty two to one. John Ram twenty five to one. Jason Day's thirties. Charlie Hoffman, Justin Thomas, Paul Casey, Justin Rose, Sergio Garcia are forty to one, and we have Adam Scott as forty-five to one. Thomas Peters, Henrik Stenson are fifty to one, and uh, yeah, the rest you know, rest of the field is sixty to one now. You've Phil Mickelson available at sixty-six to one. If you check Phil's record on in this tournament, it is sensational. Or sorry, not in this tournament at Quail Hollow, it is sensational. Um. This is, I think this is the strongest field assembled in golf every year. The PGA Championship is once it gets the top 100 in the world rankings. Uh, a few PGA pros, but you know, by and large, I think this this gets the biggest assembly of the 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 best players in the world. Um, and it's it's on a course that they all love and we all love watching every year. So it is it it is a major uh, venue that we would know well it is a regular PGA mm. Tour event it's why it didn't host the regular uh, Tour event earlier this season because of it um, it's certainly going to give an advantage to the guys who are playing this relatively regularly like you know we talk about Rory since 2010 when he won here at Quail Hollow he's gone uh, first miscut, second, tenth, eighth, first, fourth 
just the fact that he has six, seven years of playing this course, liking this course. And I heard him this week in one of the interviews, the media interviews, saying, look, I love this place. You know, I have so many happy memories here. You know, I just enjoy it. I, I, I come back to a place that suits my eye and, and a place that I like. Um, in terms of the course itself, Barry, for people who may not be as avid a PGA watcher as we are, what kind of course is this? What kind of layout what should the players be looking at this week? Um, it's a classical style course. It's a par 71, uh, which can measure up to 7,600 yards. It has, uh, since last year's edition of the Wells Fargo, it had its greens taken up and um, relayed with Bermuda grass. And it's champion Bermuda grass. So that's something to take into consideration when you're looking at maybe picking guys for your fantasy golf or for bets, you know, guys who can put on Bermuda grass greens or who aren't completely uh, confused by Bermuda grass greens. The course has taken a huge amount of rain this week and is pretty wet um, and playing extremely long. There's very little roll in the ball and the greens have a sub air system in it, much like Augusta, the, the greens at Augusta do. So the greens are apparently quite firm, which will all lead to us thinking that it's going to give a huge advantage to the guys who can get it out there off the tee and hit a long distance as they're going to be coming in with shorter iron, irons to firm greens. The rough is supposed to be quite juicy. It's quite thick and with a bit of rain there as well. It's going to be very penal in places. If you miss in the wrong spot, uh, they're saying you might have to hack out um, as opposed to gouging something up towards the green. So it it seems like it's going to make for quite a tough test, and it it it's going to favour long, accurate drivers of the ball. It'll give them the best opportunity to score well. And I think I think what does need to be noted is just the width of the fairways here. You're looking at, at kind of from 250 yards, you're looking at 28 yards in width. It's one of the tightest Mm. Uh, fairways of any you know last week Firestone slightly uh, narrower at 25 but it doesn't get any easier beyond you know 300 yards it's only 26 yards wide at 325 it's 26 yards wide so you know for a lot of the big big hitters you know it's still relatively small when you take into say um, you know if you take into kind of consideration Murfield you know at, at 275 you're looking at 35 yards in width you know that's yeah. that's a 10 yard 9 10 yard diff, uh, variation it's that's a, that's a bit, big yeah. that's a big variation for some of these you know accuracy it's not just about length this week it's going to be about length and accuracy and the guys who are going to come to the top are going to be pretty high up in those two uh, yeah and I, I think that's why we saw Rory hitting so many drivers last week he was really he was probably just trying to get the driver game absolutely bolted down and as good in as good a possible condition uh, as it can be for this week going into this week for Firestone it seemed like you know three wood and uh, spots would have might have been a better choice but he was just taking out the driver and just getting that drive you know he wasn't treating it like a warm-up event but he kind of was just tuning his game and if he happened to get in the mix for the to win the tournament of course he would have gone for it at Bridgestone but um yeah so I think to- total driving this week, you know, length and accuracy is going to be a, a massive plus. And um, as always, you're going to have decent, you're going to have to have decent ball striking with your irons and uh, pretty solid putting and scrambling. But I think the uh, length is going to be a big advantage this week. Um, a little bit of luck if you do when, if and when you do go in the rough. 
All right, well, look, so we, have we got rain every day? Are we, is rain on the lead up to it? What, what kind of uh, weather forecast is it? Um, you know, it, it, it yeah. obviously looks like it's going to, to rain pre- pretty solidly for most of it, certainly. And, you know, we also have the dreaded thunderstorms that might come through, which, you know, means that some guys might be on the wrong side of, of the thunderstorm. Some guys might be in and enjoying their afternoon and other guys are sitting around waiting for it to pass over. That's, you could get lucky on the draw. You could have a good wait time. You're saying it looks like there's going to be bits of rain to deal with throughout the week. Um, whether these little cells that come through go either side of the course and give them a, you know, they get lucky and miss the course, uh, that remains to be seen. So um, the, it doesn't, look like the course is going to have an opportunity to dry out so it, it will it will it will probably play largely the same throughout the whole week doesn't seem to be too much wind in terms of wind uh for the guys to deal with you know reasonably calm at 10 kilometer an hour winds so that's not going to be a factor so it's it it points more and more towards a a real ball striking test and uh well yeah. let's let's talk about the the runners and riders and i've already outlined you know, the last six, seven years of Rory at this course. We ignored Jordan Spieth for the Open Championship because he was the favourite and we kind of <laughs> said, ah, yeah, 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 and moved on. I don't think we made a mistake, obviously, then, and I think it would be a mistake for us to ignore Rory this week. He is short, but there's a reason why he's short, at kind of six, six, seven to one. He has got the best record around this course to to go to here for him in the form that he's in and I have to take my hat off I, I said last week I didn't know about this whole mate carrying the bag thing I've never seen Rory quite as relaxed mm. and laughing and joking as he was last week at the WGC even when an error came he was still laughing he was back to that kind of bounciness Yeah, and I think that if he plays like that if he plays with a bit of a spring in his step, I think six to one, you know, you might say to yourself, I'm not even going to look down the field. I'm just going to put all my money on one guy and just take my chance and, and roll the dice on, on him on the nose. Yeah, if you if you look back at any of the, you know, we're looking back at the highlights of Rory winning any of his tournaments. Like I said, he's got that bounce in his step, that kind of looseness about his shoulders and he's just, He's literally bouncing along the fairways when he's walking, and he do, he seemed to just have that relaxed, kind of calm um, demeanor about him last week with his mate um, Harry on the bag, and I think it's Harry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Harry Wilson. Uh, um, yeah, a dan- Rory's lethal and dangerous in this situation. You know, when he's playing like this and that relaxed, and coming to a place where he's got just great memories, two wins. You know, five top tens in a row there the last five years. He's he's going to be absolutely flying this week, and it would be it would be kind of. Would you be surprised if he doesn't win it? Well, I, I'm not surprised when anybody doesn't win because there's so mm. many people that like. You could ask me, would I be surprised if Matsuyama didn't win? And <laughs> you know, it, it's. I think I would be surprised if Rory isn't within the last two or three groups going out on Sunday mm. within within a chance of winning. I don't know whether or not he will be he would be better going off in the last group or whether, you know, one or two behind and, and to post a number. Um but I would be surprised 
one, if he doesn't make the cut, and two, I'd be surprised if he's not there or thereabouts come Sunday afternoon. Do you think he's extra motivated by Spieth now getting one major closer to him and the the narrative in the media about getting the career Grand Slam and this is his opportunity to stop Spieth getting it to, to the career Grand Slam before he can get to it? Or is that just something that the media cares about the players don't really and he just wants to get a win regardless I think he wants a win regardless I think every pro that steps up this week is only focusing on themselves I think a lot of it is always media driven it, they have to have a new narrative you know Tiger and Phil are no longer there you know there has to be a, a, a Jordan and Rory or a Jordan and Dustin or a Jordan Rory and Dustin mm. you know they, they're always looking for that next byline for the paper does it does it G Rory up? I think it does. Personally, I think he uses it as his own self-motivation. You know, it's like, look, let's put it this way. If you're sitting and you're watching your mate go from, you know, a 15 handicap down to an 8 handicap and you've been trotting along for a couple of years on 12, mm. three shots better than your mate, you're going out most weeks and you're playing relatively the same, if not better, but you're still safe in the knowledge of, hey, I'm 12 handicap, he's 15. You don't necessarily get the rocket up you. Um, all of a sudden, when your mate overtakes you and he becomes 10, 9, 8, and you're always going to have in the back of your head of, I'm the better golfer, mm. and now all of a sudden this guy's down at 8? What the hell? And I think that's the difference. I think Rory might use it as motivation to say, you know, why is everyone talking about him as the best since Tiger or the best? Like, I'm I'm here... I want to be in this conversation. But at the same time, they're professional. I just think that Rory probably just goes out and goes, fuck it, it's Rory. I'm Rory, you know, and I'm, I'm just going to play golf. And a little bit more introverted. I, I, think, I think what's spurring him on right now is the fact that he has one last chance, you know, to win a major mm. this year. And if he doesn't, it's three years since his last one. And that's yeah. a long time. And, and he doesn't get to write that until... The Masters next April. It is a long time. I was thinking about this though. It's only twelve tournaments. It is only twelve. Only tournaments. twelve tournaments. That's only a ha- like if you look at a PGA Tour season. That's only half a season worth of events. And if, a, if somebody of his caliber only goes a half a season out of the win, the you know we're not going. Oh jeez, this is terrible. You know he hasn't won in half a season. It's it's a bit ridiculous to say. But that's the level that Rory is now. Really. Yeah. You know. He won the FedEx. He's won Race to Dubai. Nobody cares about that, what he's done the last three years. No. You know, he's won other tour events. What have you done for me but, lately? But, well, yeah. it's, it's, it's not so won much a major that. This year. It's, it's what, what major have you won lately? And I think that when he looks around, it's not just that he hasn't won. It's that he hasn't contended. And I think that's the difference. I think if you look back on the 12 majors, obviously he's had a couple where he didn't get to play because of his injuries. But I think that ultimately for him, you know, the record will show that he had a top five at the Open Championship. Backdoors. But he didn't really have a top Mm. five. But that wasn't contending. And I think for him to contend is what he needs. You know, Tiger wouldn't, whatever about going three years without a major, three years without contending at a major... I think is 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 the difference. He's at, just looking it up here. He's at six top tens out of the three six out of his last ten majors. But again, that the stats on that mm. doesn't necessarily reflect 
the truth of what know, happened that week. Um, you the, know, the, the he perfor- obviously had a top five three weeks ago, but you wouldn't say he contended at the Open Championship. No, not quite. But so you know, we did we did you know discuss how good his game was from the, the start, the meltdown at the start onwards. It was match, oh, it was match, phenomenal, it was ma- matching as good as Jordan. Spieth's. It was phenomenal golf, but I just don't think for him, it's not about I want to be. Jordan Speed. And I, I actually don't think it's anything to do with the Grand Slam. I think both of them will get their Grand Slam um, mm. for whatever that is worth. And um, they will go into that very illustrious group and, and they'll enjoy it because they have 20 years to be able to do it. Um, I don't think Rory will care about, you know, oh, I want, I want to win this week just so Jordan can't get it this year. And, yeah. you know. I don't think that's not no I don't think right. that's the the motivation S- at all. Speaking, let's just talk about Jordan quickly. He's only played Quail Hollow once competitively, and he finished thirty second. So it was back in twenty thirteen. He. But the thing about Jordan Spieth is this: it doesn't matter what his form has been like on any course coming into an event. He played pretty well last week. Coming off, most people when they win a major, go on the total piss, go on a bender. And basically take six months to come back mm. at a level, or if you're Danny Willett, never. Um, you know, but Jordan Spieth, at least, he went back, he played the WGC. Again, he didn't contend, but he played well for a guy who, who must have been enjoying himself for the last couple of weeks with uh, the British Open. I don't take, for him, of other players, I'm not sure I would look at form on a particular golf course and say, yeah. oh, well, he's not, no. he's not contended on this, so I'm not interested. He's, and he's like, this is three, this is four years later now. He's a very different golfer now to when he was back then. And this is a guy who's got, three we talk majors. about the Rory spring in his step. This guy is bounding around right mm. now. You know, he is just like Matsuyama, just like Dustin, just like, you know, Brooks. These guys are bounding around at the moment. And if they can't get up for this, and again, Horses for courses, some people will love it, but I think it's further down the field that you find a guy who you might think, oh, 100 to 1, like you were saying, like Phil, you know, you're looking at a guy further down the field and going, actually, you know what, he really likes this course, Mm -hmm. and that's where I think you can find the value. I think any of these guys in the top, you know, Jason Day, John Ram, Brooks Koepka, Ricky Fowler, Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Matsuyama and McIlroy, you can pretty much make a very strong case for any of them, regardless of their form in Quail Hollow. Previously. Speaking of the course, they have made a f- they've made a few changes. Like the opening of the course is now different. Um, so the opening three holes are supposed to be quite brutish now. The opening hole is a par four, five hundred twenty four yards. That's going to test anybody. So it used to be quite an easy start of Quail Hollow. You get off to a quick, fast start, make your birdies. But you now have that combined with the finishing three holes, which they call the Green Mile, which are um, really, really tough, a really tough finishing stretch as well. Thinking about it like that, you know, the middle of your round is where you'll make your scores. But if you are teeing off on the tenth tee, you're going to be doing a wrap round. So you're going to be finishing 16, 17, 18, which are all which are brutally difficult, and you'll be going straight into one, two, and three, which are all very difficult as well. So you have a six hole stretch there. That's a lot of really difficult holes to play together back to back to back. So just something to bear in mind if you know for for betting and just for looking at course form as well the course has been tweaked a bit the greens the grass and the greens has been changed it's not an ex- it's not an identical it's also been played at a different time of year so it's not going to be identical to how it played in previous years then again 
the guys could just it could be the the vibe of Charlotte when they go there and they just love the town or they just love the the clubhouse or the atmosphere about the place and the actual holes themselves don't matter as much as we might think they do. The thing about most majors is a lot of it is who starts pretty all right, mm. maintains it through Friday and then kicks on Saturday, Sunday. Um, looking at the likes of Matsuyama last week, you know, we know when Matsuyama gets hot, he gets roasting hot and he holds it on. Unlike other players who, you know, kind of do well one week and then all of a sudden they just fizzle straight out. It's like, oh, I got my win. Yeah. And then it's like straight on the back burner. Like Matsuyama, 11 to 1. Until he wins it, we're going to always ask this question. When is he going to win a major? Him and Ricky Fowler. Like, the last two groups I'd love to see, you know, if I had my way, mm-hmm. is Jordan and Rory on Sunday going out in the last group. And either the second last group or the last group, yeah. whichever way you want, is like a Matsuyama, Ricky Fowler. Can we make him a four ball? <laughs> yeah. But like that way, you're going to have two stories going on. You can have the great story of... Is Rory going to be able to stop Jordan from the Grand Slam? And the flip side of it is, which of the two guys is going to win their first major? Would it be Ricky? Would it be Matsuyama? That's they're the kind of conversations. This, that I this kind is of the like dream. We're writing the script for the PGA Championship, and of course, you have like a Dustin Johnson, your Brooks Koepka, John Ram, just in be- hiding in behind as well. And um, look, uh, let's talk Dustin Johnson. He's he's kind of been out of sorts ever since the, the rib injury in Augusta. He was absolutely flying. Um, he, you know, he's 17th last week. It's just whether he kind of gets, you know, whether he gets it all together. Apparently, Butch, Butch was saying a couple of weeks ago that his body is is fit, but his brain still hasn't adjusted to the fact that his body is fit, so he's still not, he's not swinging it quite the way he fully can. We know what he can do when he's on form. It's a, Bombers power. It, not sorry, it's not a bombers paradise, but power hitting will be a big advantage this week. Can can you see him getting his game? You know, pulling it all together. Does you know? Can he do it this week, or will he will he top twenty and just you know kind of flirt with the leaderboard and then just fall away? What about uh, what about Thomas Peters? Great chance this week. He's got a power hit, and I, I love I love his psychology going into this week. Now he'll feel like he let one slip at the Bridgestone. Even though even though Matsuyama streaked away and shot a sixty one, Peters didn't play great on Sunday. Um, he's he's going to feel really disappointed himself, and it's all about whether he can how how he can use that and can he turn that around to motivate himself or get himself in the right frame of mind to to sharpen his game to the point of winning this week. He never played Quail Hollow yet. Yeah, and. Um, it's it's a disadvantage, you know. But then again, he might have played it, and he could have had mental scars from playing it. So he's gone there with a fresh attitude. And can, can we just? He's free rolling. We were talking about Phil earlier, and you know, yeah. talking about different stories that are coming out of the PGA this week. He's playing his hundredth major, same as Ernie Els. Mm. The two of them are playing, you know, five five and four majors between them. You know, nine nine in total. When you look at Phil's record at Quail Hollow, 4th, 4th, 11th, 3rd, 26th, 9th, 2nd, 5th, 12th, 3rd, 35th, 7th and 5th. Why can't he win? Like, you know, at a guy who is 61, 66, 60 to 1, whatever he's currently, 50 mm-hmm. or whatever he is at the moment, you know, okay, if Bobby was here, he'd say he's over 40, can't win a major when you're over 40, bullshit to that. 
Phil can win a major and Phil could win this major and we could be sitting here thinking to ourselves how did we not see this coming with Phil at that kind of price on a course that he likes and a course he does well and we know that when it comes to majors where perhaps getting up and down if you don't have all of the distance or if you do have to hack out and you have to get up and down Here's a guy who's got pretty good scrambling abilities. Recovery skills. Yeah, and you know, with that record, it's it's a, it's an amazing price to have, especially with some of the offers for, available from the bookies this week and get eight places from some bookies. So, you know, if you've Phil Mickelson at 60 to 1 with eight places pay, paying at a fifth of the odds, you know, that's a decent return. And you're going to get a better return from that bet on Phil than you would backing Rory McIlroy for the win if Rory wins. And that's only if Phil comes in the top eight places. So with his record, he's only finished outside the top 10, one, two, three, four times. And only finished outside the top 12, two times in 12, 13 years of playing it here. So there's a, there's a really good course form factor for Phil. The only thing is he hasn't had a great tournament since uh, himself and Bones parted ways. Um, at some stage it's going to click though with his, uh, is his brother-in-law is brother-in-law yeah. yeah some stage he'll click and this could be the week where he's gone back to a place where he just plays consistently brilliant golf he says he loves the golf course you know it's a nice, there's a nice storyline and good feel good factor there this week for himself and Ernie playing their 100th major that's a great price for Phil Mickelson on a course that he plays well on well a guy who's returning Theoretically, to Quail Hollow is the last guy to win a Quail Hollow is James Hahn, one hundred and fifty to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not suggesting this is a guy who's going to win, though I will look very stupid now if he goes and does it. I don't think he wins this week, but a lot of places, you know, Paddy Power, what play, paying eight, eight nine places, you know, at one hundred and fifty to one, this is a guy who won here back in 2016. Um, we talk about guys who who have a good feeling. He's driving up this uh, uh, driveway to a golf course that the last time he was here, he was picking up the Wells Fargo. Um, it should be said, actually, that Carl, the book, bookmakers Carl, are paying 10 places this week. So they're, they're best on the market by two spots. They, their prices are a little bit shorter as a result, but you know, if you're looking for a long price guy and you think you, know, that you want those extra two places, it's a really great spot to, to pick there. James Hahn's been showing some good flashes of form recently and come back to a place of success. You know, why not? It'd be nice to have him on board for a couple of euro each way. All right. Well, look, we can always go through everybody. A hundred people here and there's definitely going to be people like Ricky who we've missed and so on. Let's just boil this down to who are you back in this week? Who do you think this time next week will be the final major winner of 2017? I think Rory wins, but I've changed. I've gone on the kind of to try get places out of uh, guys at bigger odds this week. So um, uh, my main one is Brendan Steele. He's got a ninth and a fourteenth here in the last couple of times he's played Quail Hollow. He's having a pretty good season. One at the start of the season hits the ball a long way and is a pretty good driver of the ball. So I'm hoping that puts him in a good position to to play well and score well this week. I can't disagree with you on Rory. I think if ever there was a major at a time when he needs a major, mm. when the, the, the writing's on the wall for him to win a major, this is it. Um, I think Rory does win. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. But my other outsiders, not that one is 
particularly an outsider, I am going with three others. I'm going with Ricky Fowler, I'm going with Adam Scott, and I'm going with Phil Nicholson. Simply on the basis of form at this course yeah. um, over the last number of years. Yeah, Ricky's an interesting one. Winner here before. and you know, I love that Adam Scott shout. How often do you see Adam Scott at that price? And he's been hitting the ball quite nicely recently without putting all the scores together. Much like what Brooks Kepka did before he won the US Open. Lots of good stuff. A couple of bad things. We're just keeping him away from the top of the leaderboards. And we all know Adam Scott can hit the ball a mile. So, uh, yeah, good shouts. I still think it's going to be Rory. Yeah. I think it's going to be enjoyable to watch. But they're good each way bets. And if, yeah. they, if, they, if they fall into a win, happy days. And I think that's the thing. You know, look, you could find someone like a Lucas Glover who loves this place as well, you know, further down the field. Mm. And you decide, like, Lucas Glover has a pretty decent... He's a winner here. He's got runner-up here. He was eighth last time, fourth and tenth. 200-odd to one. You might just, you know, again, eight places. It's going to be an interesting one. Um, just if anybody wants to hear a bit more in depth on it, I did a podcast. I joined Steve Bamford of Golf Betting System for his uh, preview show of the PGA Championship, and talked a little, little bit more in depth. And Steve brought his big stats game into the uh, into the podcast, so that's available on. Uh, if you check their Twitter at Bamford Golf, and if you Google Golf Betting System, um, you'll find it that way. Their website's GolfBettingSystem.co.uk. So. That pretty much wraps us up. Uh, Why don't you? You might as well just uh, finish it off. Just, yeah, just well, you finish it off this week, Eric. We're uh, we're into the PGA Championship tomorrow, so uh, everybody have a really enjoyable week watching golf. Uh, whatever way you can find it in Ireland and the UK, it's not on Sky Sports anymore. Um, we'll I'll tweet a few places that you can watch it uh, for all the listeners from our Twitter at Good Talk Golf. So if you're playing this weekend, play early so you can watch as much as possible. James, have a good week. Will do. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good luck. Bye-bye, <laughs> 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 Well, you're fine. Bye-bye. <laughs>